we're back and we're back on zoom so we promised y'all that this month it would sound better but guess what our lives are busy and we were not able to get to pulp again this month but we're here for you um and that's what really matters exactly hey taylor how are you hi brandon Good, buddy. It is a beautiful day here in Gainesville. We were just discussing before we started recording that Gainesville was exploding uh, with activities as a result of the beautiful weather and people kind of, uh, you know, I guess celebrating that. And that's a very cool thing. It's been a busy week, man, but a very, but a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day and in Gainesville, if you wanted to do something uh, that evening, you had <laughs> the pick of the litter. There was multiple large-scale events happening all over downtown, yeah. um, including the one that I was at, which was a city awards ceremony for different cultural and environmental organizations. And Music GNV, which is one of the things that I run, received the uh, special award called the COVID-19 Arts um, like Response Award, I think. And with that came um, a proclamation from the mayor, from Mayor Poe, that March 17th is officially Music GNV Day in Gainesville, which is really cool and that is um, so cool brandon that is that's wild man that's so cool yeah and um <laughs> and there was a ceremony that was at the thomas center that involved a bunch of speeches and it was really emotional and really really mm. nice to be uh recognized for the work that we've done in this way mm-hmm. um that particular organization is one we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast, but we do music. And we should change that. (laughs) Supports the Gainesville music community. We've been doing this for two years, which is wild because my last endeavor, Mm. which was called So Far Sounds Gainesville, was also ran for exactly two years. So it's been as long as I was doing that, we've been doing Music GNV, which is, again, wild because it feels like it has been so much less time than than So Far Sounds Mm. is going. But that goes back to the whole weirdness of time in the pandemic era. But but yeah, it was, you and I are both actively involved in the community and putting on cultural events for our community members and just want to see our community thrive and flourish. And neither of us do this for any sort of recognition or um, anything like that awards or whatever, or else I think the work that we do would look a whole lot different. Different. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And our attitudes would be a whole lot different, but um, it was a big honor and I'm really grateful to have been recognized um, in such an official capacity from the community that I care so much about. Um, so even though that was yesterday, I'm still feeling Mm. a lot of the emotions of it. Yeah. And the high that comes from that, Brandon, that's so cool. You you know, I like, I'm glad you brought up so far sounds too. So if people don't know about like your work with that, I mean, 
to know that that was two years is incredible. But like when people ask me, sometimes I get asked like, is so far going to come back? I'm like, well, it took on a new form. And when I think back about that, I, I remember that when Music GNB launched, I, I, was, I, I was stunned. I'm like, how does Brandon pull things together like this, especially when the rest of the world seems to be reeling of like, what are we going to do? What do I do for myself? What do I do to help other people? And it was as if you put it together in a day. I know that's not true. <laughs> um, it never is, but like, you just have a way of organizing yourself and other people to get things done, man. And that just happened. That was just so huge for the community. Thank you. It's funny. Uh, there was some scheduling snafus and we weren't sure who was going to be able to be where for certain speeches. So Lindsay, my wife, was actually coming up with a speech in her head in case she had to get up and give one oh about music GNV. Cause that, that's the level of like kind of wildness of like go with the flowness that we had to do last night. Wow. And um, she said to me afterwards that what she had thought of was to basically say, if you recall in early 2020, when most of us were in this pandemic, trying to think of like uh, where we were going to get toilet paper and like how I was going right? to deal with my job and my family life and this, 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 you know, illness that we don't know anything about and the world shut down. Uh, <laughs> most of us were focused on just like our own selves getting through, but music GNV, Brandon and his crew um, were focused on how they can support other people. And that really speaks to the work that they do. And um, yeah. so it's funny that you said it that way, because that was that was uh, almost spoken, uh, spoken to in, in one of those speeches. But um, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's a big honor. I'm really grateful. And um, uh, for those of you who are listening, who don't know any of what we're talking about. Well, thank <laughs> you for, for thank you for letting me get that off my chest and tell my story, which is a great transition into you should mention. <laughs> uh, what we're here to talk about today, which is storytelling. It is wild that we've been doing this for as many months as we have been doing this podcast, and we have not done an episode I on know. storytelling yet. I know. When you suggested that as an idea, I thought, wasn't that the first one we did? And then Shouldn't I went that back in the first one that we did. <laughs> I went back and looked and at least uh, none of the episodes that we've released are called storytelling. So um, apparently not it really well and called it something else. So we really haven't done it. I think today too, what's been revealed is that we should also share the part of your story that has to do um, with music. So we'll, we'll get there too. That could be several episodes probably, but um but yeah, storytelling, how hilarious that we haven't done that yet. Yeah, so as you may know, both Taylor and I are active in the Gainesville storytelling community. Um, we are organizers of large portions of the storytelling community. I founded with Dr. Jaron Jones, Self Narrate, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. We help people to write and share their stories for personal growth and empowerment. And Taylor is the founder and CEO, director. <laughs> I'm not sure what title you go by, but- Creative um, director, CEO sounded a little bit intense for me. <laughs> okay, there we go. 
<laughs> creative director of Guts and Glory GNB, which, uh, among other things, helps people to really take their story to the next level, polish it, get it to a place where uh, they can share that story in professional settings, including large-scale storytelling events, which is really one of the specialties that Taylor has, is putting on these really incredible, uh, high-quality storytelling events. Um, and so with that, we have collaborated on a number of things over the years because of the shared interest uh, in storytelling, the shared passion for helping other people share their stories. And we've each developed, uh, you know, kind of our own expertise in this world of storytelling, which is really, really broad, so many different applications. It's like, as soon as I feel like I have a sense of how you can use storytelling and all of its benefits, I learn of something new. Mm, um, that's so true. I am actually taking some graduate uh, level classes right now for a certificate in instructional design, which is what my day job is in. And <clears throat> one of the modules that I'm doing right now is all about creating stories for like the learners that you're designing for. So how do you know what your material should look like uh, based on the needs of the learner? Well, you write out their story. And mm -hmm. so much of this literature that I'm reading is like pulling from the same threads of storytelling theory that uh, that I've done research on in the past. So I just I would have never mm -hmm. assumed that there was an overlap with the work that I do um, in instructional design with storytelling, but I'm constantly surprised. So right. um, so yeah, that's we wanted to talk today about what we know about storytelling and how you can engage in storytelling in a new or deeper way. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm constantly um, surprised by, but I think also um, it just keeps like backing the power of story is that it's storytelling has just taken over as like a huge, almost like a buzzword. Like, you know, it's pretty much like overused at this point, but it shows up everywhere. People talk about storytelling with branding, with marketing, with, you know, promotions, but then you also see it um, in the sciences. You see it as, you know, data and research. How do we make, how do we make, um, you know, things more clear um, through the use of story? How do we make them more relatable? But, you know, there's even science behind that. And there's reasons why story actually works for us as human beings with the way that uh, our brains kind of map onto each other when we're utilizing story. And there's, so there's, there's these research driven um, reasons behind it, which I think is really cool news. It just validates like why they stories feel so important to us as people. Yeah. And I could talk your ear off about those things. Um, yeah. That was what I've done a lot of research in, in uh, my uh, master's degree thesis was uh, sort of the impact of storytelling and I've done a ton of research on the subject since then and what you're describing is uh, the impact that storytelling has on our mirror neurons yes um, this is something that I was not aware of before doing this research that 
in our brains, we have what are kind of commonly known as mirror neurons that activate when we are in states of, um, uh, you know, kind of heightened emotion, mm-hmm. right? When we, and, and that activates, we, we are in states of heightened emotion when we hear people <clears throat> share emotional content from their stories. Yeah. So when something happens to a character in a movie, we kind of sit, sit up and scoot in our chair and take notice. Um, and it often feels exciting or sad or happy to us as people, as, as like viewers of this movie, because our mirror neurons are activating and are putting ourselves in the same situation as the person on the screen. Um, and this happens when we share stories, right? When I share my story, you may never have gone through the things that I've been through, but you, your brain makes you feel as though you have, Mm -hmm. um, and this is a core component and building block of empathy. Yep. So when we share our stories and when we listen to other people's stories, we're helping to build empathy in each other through yes. these mirror neurons, which it's wild because there's a, I mean, it's, if you'd listen to enough stories, you do start to feel that empathy for different people that like sense of walking a mile in someone else's shoes. But it is so amazing that science backs it up. I know. And this, <laughs> I wish people could say the science backs it up. So you say that, um, but it's true. It's like, it feels anecdotal until you realize that, you know, like brain scans are actually showing us that this is happening and people's, people's heart rates tend to um, not only slow down, but match up with, is it heart rates or w- with people who are telling stories? I mean, that is crazy. And the same way that mirror neurons work, for example, for um, newborns who are learning their mother's face and they really are looking for facial expressions and start to understand emotions, you know, like their brain is just starting to, you know, wake up and learn the world. Like that's what we're doing in our own uh, more mature way when we're hearing stories. So to, to have, it's not just anecdotal that like sharing our stories or hearing other people's can make us feel like warm and fuzzy or we hear something difficult and it makes us, you know, feel nauseous or we feel closer to someone. I mean, that is, it's, it's very real. It's very powerful. And I think that's why, like, even in a performance space, like with Guts and Glory GMB, it, it might come across as like, oh, I, you know, this is a ticketed performance. I came to see a show. But what I don't think people anticipate that ends up happening is the audience really feels like they were a part of the storytelling. And the same thing goes with all of the, the shows that you run. I would even say the, the music that you, um, you know, the shows that you host with, with bands as well. Um, certainly there's storytelling and music. But the other thing is that the people who take this stage who might appear to be performing to get laughs or you know put their story out there or whatever, they end up having what they usually describe as as, as a therapeutic experience, you know, of, of having to prepare a story that you're going to share with a huge room of strangers is no small feat. 
And so preparing it, performing it, and then getting off of that stage and being like, whoa, I just shared this thing. That's a trend that can be a transformative experience because of story. Because yeah. of how it works. Yeah. I um have done a lot of research in the space of meaning making, which um one of my favorite concepts as well. It's one Not of the of hardest no ones to say Brandon. though, I feel like for me, because of that double M. Meaning making. Meaning making. Anyways, so when you (laughs) share or when you write your story, you are making meaning of past experiences in your life. Yep. Um, There's a quote from an author named Donald Miller who has written extensively on the impact of story on uh, people and organizations. And it sums it up really well. He says that conflict in our lives hurts the most when it does not have a narrative context. Put a different way, if you have had a painful experience in your life or a difficult experience in your life and you haven't contextualized it by uh, kind of incorporating it into your idea of what your story is if it's Mm -hmm. just some painful thing that happened to you that's just like out in your in your memory it's going to hurt a lot worse a lot worse and it's going to be a whole lot harder to move forward through it and move past it if you haven't taken the time to to see how that experience has shaped the rest of your story again contextualized it um when you write your story you take the good you take the bad and you kind of create in your own mind a construct of how those things shaped you into who you are today yeah um and until you can do that um yeah painful things just are a whole lot harder to to move through and so that's that is what is called meaning making is make i mean it's in the name making meaning of your past experiences i have an experience like that and and i may have shared it on this podcast before where i had a previous employer who um i mean i was young and didn't know what i was doing in the workplace and kind of probably arrogant and cocky but i said i said Mm -hmm. something about what i was doing which was maybe a little bit flippant without realizing it because i was didn't have much professional experience and I got totally berated by my boss in a way that was not actually beneficial or helpful it was not like a um, supportive educational (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. berating which can happen (laughs) right like if it's yeah those are out there those are uh, out there it was like a felt like it was really just cutting me down I I could not process that experience for years. I could not talk about it with anyone, not my parents, not my um, significant other. Like I could not talk about it. It was so much shame associated with it. But then when I had my own employees that were students in a future job that I held, I had someone do something pretty bad. Um, It was an accident, but somebody ran a... um, departmental van into oh. a a university sign and destroyed oh, it no. 
Oh, it's no, not the, the thing irony. you want your student employee to come back to you after a no. day out saying that that's what happened. No. Um, and that's the kind of thing where I could have just taken that lesson that I learned and reenacted my own traumatic experience onto this student. But instead, I, I, said, I said to myself, like, I had a negative experience with a supervisor early in my career that like really shaped me in a negative way. And I was never able to process it. How about I use this as an opportunity as a teaching moment? Yes, they did something they shouldn't have done. Yes, we need to talk about that and deal with the consequences, but it can be from a place of encouragement and growth instead of a place of just pure shaming. Um, And that's what I did. And after that moment, I was actually able to talk about my experience at that previous job because Hmm. I contextualized it. Right. I said, okay, this taught me something. I learned something from it. I gave my experience some, um, like I said, with the Donald Miller quote, a narrative context in my life. I learned something from that experience. And now I can talk about it on this podcast, right? There was a period where I would have started shaking if I would have even thought about mentioning it not being recorded Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like just a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. And that's, that is such a marker of, of shame. Like you said, there was just so much shame surrounding it sounds like, which is so painful. I'm sorry. You had to experience that. And then it had, and it tortured you for so long. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, that's the best example of what you were, were saying. Like, I love that you were able to give that example right away, but it's something that strikes me, Brandon, too, is you were saying like, once you were able once you used it as an example that, you know, changed your behavior towards someone else, then you were able to talk about it. But I'm willing to bet that because of that, the person that you were talking to who you could have berated, but didn't, they were probably better able to process the experience as well. I would assume so. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll never know what it would have been like had I act in a different way but I based on my own experiences (laughs) um, I I can say that they probably processed it a lot better than I processed my experience yep and then that that's where like the the use of that narrative it you know was like carried forward it worked for you and then it actually helps make that relationship better too and I think that's powerful. I mean, you know, this is, this is also, I think why things like therapy or group counseling, or even just being able to vent or talk through things, sometimes why it actually like it feel it feels good psychologically, but sometimes it even feels good physically, right? It's a release. Like these things get stuck. Stories get stuck. And I love, can you say again, what, um, the Donald Miller, the, the first line you said? Yeah. Hear that again. So painful moments in our lives, conflicts hurt the most when they do not have a narrative context. Conflict hurts the most when we don't have, a, when it doesn't have a narrative context. Yeah. 
Um, and what's what we're also getting at is um, so that's like a personal benefit of of writing and sharing your story, but there is also like a community healing element to storytelling. Yes. You're able to help heal other people. And it combines yeah. in with that mirror neurons thing that we're talking about, that empathy driver. But um, Ayana Van Zant has a quote um, and it goes that when you stand and share your story in an empowering way, it you heal yourself but you also heal uh the the listener and i butchered it a little bit there but when you stand and share your story in an empowering way you will heal as well as the folks hearing your story right that's crazy and i totally believe that's true and something you said earlier brandon of like that we don't have to always literally share someone's experience it's that we can share in the emotion or the humanity of it right and so I think we help other people when we hear people's stories we can't help but kind of think like what's my what's my version of this what how do I how could I complete this person's thought or this sentence or you know think of something analogous to my own life so I think we naturally do that um or if so, if some someone's experience just feels so different than ours, that helps us heal by understanding how how vast and unique the world is, you know. So, I, I love that idea, and there are community stories too, right? That that help us understand um, group group dynamics too, group experiences, even though all individuals are just that individual. It's it's just a really powerful tool yeah i am curious Uh, i think you and i both have our own approaches to teaching how to write your story Mm -hmm. but i'm curious if you might want to uh, share some of those for our listeners yeah sure i was yeah i was wanting to hear the same from you this morning too um you know there's a lot of you know this better than anyone, Brandon, there's just so many storytelling structures out there and, you know, arcs, how to tell storytelling arcs and all these things. Um, Hero's journey is like- I mean, there are, but they all are basically the same too. Like, right, yes. And it's rare to read a new one that's like, I've never once heard of any part of this concept before. I know, I know that's so, so true. And some of them- for me, some of them get really complicated where I don't think they're always user-friendly. And so we've kind of developed this. Um, yes, yeah, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm yeah. currently reading a book called um, The Seven Basic Plots. Are you familiar with yeah. this one? So yeah, when I say I reading, I mean, I'm listening to the audiobook of, it is like 27 hours long. 27 hours long okay that is like way too much I mean it's extremely interesting and well researched but like also it doesn't need to be that hard it doesn't need to (laughs) be that hard I know I know I feel like there was early on I I was definitely trying to teach in too much of a complicated way and I and there there's so many amazing ways to write stories that I feel like sometimes we have to have faith in just the storyteller. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, that they're going to know what to tell. So for, as a starting place, I think both of us agree that you tell the storyteller like, hey, this is your story. So regardless of how it's told, it is yours. You own it. No one can tell it better than you, right? And then I kind of have what I, I hope I've simplified or distilled down into kind of a four-part structure where I help people um, sort of identify the main character and personal storytelling. It is the person who is writing or telling the story. And you kind of want to incorporate like uh, who you are in your day-to-day. Um, you know, what are some of the main things that make up who you are? Like those have to come out somewhere in the story. Um, the second thing is you want to identify uh, what the point of your story is. What's the main idea that you're trying to get across? In a TED talk, they would call this the through line or your one you know, big idea we're sharing, that kind of thing. But we all have that in a story too, is kind of what's your point? Why bother telling it? The third one is the one that I think, pe- third part is what I think people leave out because it's the scariest, but I also believe it's the most critical which is what were the emotions or the feelings around what what happened, right? And this is the meaning-making piece that you were talking about earlier, is that without the feeling or emotion, the turning point, the whatever it is, the realization, the epiphany, it's a bunch of details and context. So you have to get down to like, and how did you feel about it? And that's where that meaning comes from. And then usually the story ends with something that is like a universal takeaway that your audience, whoever they might be, um, you know, it's kind of like a callback to whatever the point of your uh, story was, but it's like, if I could have you take one thing away from this, this is what I want you to remember. And I think that's why people have a tendency to say, well, anyway, the moral of the story is they're trying to get to the point, like the nugget at the end. And so those are kind of the four parts that we try to guide people with. Is that I really love that approach. Um, it's a very, I think, high-level guide on how to take some building blocks of ideas or concepts and turn them into a high-impact story that is going to resonate with an audience. I really, I Good. really love that. Um, <laughs> Good, that's the hope. <laughs> what about I, for you and Dr. Yeah. Tim? we come at it from a slightly different angle. I mean, similarly, we've identified that folks often have story. I mean, well, everyone has a story and folks often can identify what that story might be if given a prompted question, like, Mm -hmm. tell me your favorite summer vacation you've ever taken. Tell me about a time that you overcame a fear, something like that. You're going to get a great story every time. But often folks have not taken the time to actually write out their story in the sense of um, uh, putting their experiences into a mental construct of story. Um, Mm. In other words, they see that they have these experiences, but they're more like anecdotes yeah. because they haven't written out the story before. And, right. and honestly, our culture tells us that unless you are giving a TED talk or have had some kind of extraordinary experience in your life, I, I often refer to it as like being a surfer and having your arm bit off and you continue to be a surfer afterwards. 
right. um, aren't bit off by a shark, to be clear, if you're not familiar <laughs> with that person's experience. Because <laughs> yes. otherwise, it's a little bit odd to have your arm bit off. Um, yeah, by just anyone. <laughs> just, just sometimes woo, derailed there a little bit. Some, <laughs> in stories, the details matter, okay? I just said, yes, if you're a surfer I know. with your arm bit who? off. Bitten off by who? Yeah, those details really do matter. Um, anyways, <laughs> as it turns out, we um, we as a culture kind of say that if you don't have one of those types of stories, then your story doesn't matter. matter. But that, and is that it has to be so, crazy, outlandish. Right. Yeah, so not true. So right. not true. Everyone has right. a story. Everyone's story matters. Everyone's. But again, most of us haven't taken the time to sit and actually write our story because it feels really complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, without some sort of framework, it is hard. You know, it yeah. is really hard to know where to even start if you've never um, been given a framework for how to write your story. Because often people will just go, well, I was born on da-da-da-da day. <laughs> like, yeah, really. It's like, let's start from the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. That's what people without a framework often think telling a story is telling their story is supposed to be. Right. So we have identified that a great place to start is just with the core concepts of a story. And everyone can apply these core concepts to their lived experiences overall and also individual experiences. So we have pulled this from some of the different leading theories like the, like the hero's journey, um, hero with a thousand faces, really simplified it down to three concepts. And we're not the only people who have ever come up with this. Again, right. Same these, are the, like, these are the core right. <laughs> that all of us in the storytelling world pull from. But the, the ones that we focus on are um, the concepts of character, conflict, and goal. Every story has mm -hmm. a character, a conflict, and a goal. And a goal. Yep. Good stories often have more than one of any or all of those things. But at its core essence, any story should be able to be distilled to those three things. Um, if it's missing one of those three things, then it's not really a story. It is something else. Something <laughs> like you else. can see, you could read a, a, like, like a poem, for example. Yeah. A poem may not have all three of those elements um, and it still be a valid expression, but it isn't a story. So yeah, we say that, you know, you can apply this to the longest works of fiction. I, I often refer to the Lord of the Rings you know, that's a really long book series, really long movie series. But if at its core, it's a character, a Frodo, a, a hobbit from the Shire who has a goal. And that goal is to throw a ring into a volcano. And everything else in those books and movies are the conflicts that he overcomes to achieve that goal. And when you can take something as long as that and distill it down to this, then it becomes really clear how we can do the same. And we as people are lucky. We are the character in our own stories. We don't have to define that for ourselves. We know who we are. I hope each of us knows who we are. Uh, we know what we like. We know what we don't like. You know, we know where we've been and where we're going or where we're trying to get to. 
So I often say, since that first thing is already done in this character conflict and goal construct, what is a goal that you have or have had or have achieved? Identify a goal from your life, write it down. And if this is something that you already overcome, great. If it's something that you're working towards now, great. Work backwards from there. What were the conflicts or what are the conflicts that you are overcoming or have overcome, overcame to reach that goal? Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. with that, if you can identify a goal, which most people can do relatively easily, And then work backwards and say, I overcame this, this, and that to get to the goal. Then you have 90% of your story right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. In terms of like Mm -hmm. core building blocks. Um, At which point, then I just say a a good starting point for any story is the inciting incident. What was the thing that got you off the couch that made you want to achieve that goal? What was the thing that it could have either been an idea or something that happened or, or what, what made you want to achieve that goal? Um, because so many ideas come into our lives that we're like, that would be cool to do. And then we don't ever do it. Right. Something had to have sparked you to make you want to do this thing. Right. So, um, so identify what that is. And then once you have those three things on the table, you have your, the, the, the core ideas of your story. At that point, it becomes how you um, sequence those events, how you pull the evocative emotions and details out of mm-hmm. those moments, but you have your core right there. Yeah. But those are so good. I love the way that it helps you look backwards and review like what was, you know, what were some of the barriers or what helped you uh, get there because it also propels you forward too. Like once you identify those things and you can kind of see, you could go, you can look in both directions. I love that framework. And like you said, there's just, it's so daunting. Like you said, it's complicated to sit down and know how to share your story because we want to share everything or we think it's too simple. Like you said, we didn't get our arm bitten off by a shark while we were surfing. So we're like, ah, what's the point? That story is too small. But usually if we can sit down and start building it out in the way that you just described, we see that there's usually something bigger there. Yeah. And I would say there's never a story too small. Too small. Right. I agree. When written well, I I will never forget one of the stories that was shared at a self-narrate event. And and you might have heard this story too, because we both know the storyteller. His name's Garrett Hall. Mm -hmm. He shared a story about being afraid of bugs and being on an airplane (laughs) and what he thought was a bug rolling down the airplane um on off rolling down the ground on the airplane um and then he smashed it was actually a grape Uh, Uh, yes i remember (laughs) we cannot like on paper okay i love you garrett but on paper that is the most inconsequential anecdote that right. you could ever try right. to tell as a story but <laughs> in the telling of it it was full of tension it was full of humor and I even felt like I related uh in in some ways I wasn't expecting 
to this experience because of the way that it was written and delivered as as a story. So right. I would say that no experience is too small of an experience if you can craft it the right way. Right. That's uh, that's a great point. I totally, yeah, like, you know, Garrett really hitting on what a fear like that is like for him, like what he believes the consequence was going to be where that fear came from, you know, what is he trying to protect? Like there's all, what it says about him on a greater scale. I mean, there's so many angles to play with on that that is revealing about the person behind the story. Um, if things aren't often what they seem, right, is, is, like, is like a theme. Um, and so we get to learn a lot about that through people's stories. That's a cool example. I love it. I feel like we're just getting started on this conversation. I feel like we could go for another five hours talking about this <laughs> and pulling really fascinating uh, nuggets out of like it wouldn't just be two people rambling for five hours it would be like five hours of really solid uh information of yeah, of, yeah. Well, I, i'm really trying to avoid using the word content these days because it yeah. feels so <laughs> reductive Overused. of anybody's in like skill set or specialty or creative endeavor to just call everything content but I'm so used to it now that it's hard. So um, anyway, because I've already said content once before in this in this. Oh, you did? Okay. Podcast well, recording. We each so got a turn then. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So this is going to be some really great content for you guys to hear us like yeah. <laughs> um, dissecting the word content. But um, <laughs> but I wanted to say, like I said, we could sit here for another five hours and talk about this. But if there's like a core idea that you feel summarizes all of this because we do need to wrap it up. Um, what would that be? The first word that came to my mind is like worthiness of people just feeling insecure that their story is not worthy of being told. And I know that's kind of like a deep or even spiritual word to use there, but I think that is we fear being judged, you know, and that like, it's not good enough. It wasn't worth it. People wouldn't get it. And so just really understanding that they're, they're all good. And if it helps you to learn about the way to structure ideas, then that's great. But all stories are worthy. What about for you? I mean, I completely agree with you. All stories are worthy and everyone's story matters. Uh, but as for me right now, the word that is resonating is sharing and kind of as simple as it might seem because storytelling requires two people it requires the storyteller and some form of a listener it's 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 such an important part of this process is the sharing and that's also something that i feel folks who are not used to sharing their stories can be intimidated by but the reality is is that if the story is if you're ready to tell it okay and tell it in a healthy way because there are times that folks overshare and either of those things are not done properly but if if you are not oversharing if you are sharing something that is ready to be shared by you in a healthy and positive way um 
it's it's rare to identify a downside of doing that both for you and for the listener that's Um, a really good way of saying that well is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today I don't know. I'm with you, Brandon, that like we could go, you know, (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking of other like subtopics we can even go into. So maybe we do that. But no, I just I I think, um, you know, really seeking out opportunities to tell stories, even like in a gosh, what do we even call it a more post COVID world or whatever, but just a way of sharing your experiences and how you kind of are trying to come out of it and who you want to be. Um, you were always like being and becoming, but look for chances to tell your story, whether it's on a stage or just amongst friends. Um, just talking, talking about your experience will do what you mentioned earlier, Brandon, is like putting a narrative around circumstances that will really help for healing. I agree. So um, I guess with that, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up, and we will talk again soon. And uh, look forward to our next episode, hopefully being recorded at Pulp Arts, <laughs> at the one and only Pulp Arts. But for now, we'll take Zoom. Yeah, thanks for being here, everybody, and for listening. And Brandon, thanks as always. It's always fun to be with you. Have a good one. We're a lot like this place. Memories won't fade away. Our theme song is This Place by the band Gleason. Stream it wherever you listen to music under their former band name, Stereo RV. For more from Taylor, follow her on social media platforms by searching Guts and Glory GNV. And for more from me, follow me on social media by searching Brandon Tell.